This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, and so ends the 2020 Revenge Tour with a whimpery womp on a wintry Wednesday that may involve some wine. When two bad teams get together, the outcome can actually be pretty fun, kind of, sort of. And with me this week, to to tell us why, Braden Coombs is his choice for Coach of the Year. It's David Newman. Um, so I actually got ahead of it this time and I, and I cheated. I looked at the note and so I actually kind of know who Braden Coombs is and why he is coming up. Um, which seems like just that fact alone seems like an improvement to me. It, it is my singular joy to bring you the lead for the week in the intro of the pod to hear your abject shock. When you hear about this story for the first time and I get to tell you all about it, you've robbed me of that joy, David. I mean... So I know who he is, um, and I vaguely know that why he was fired, but I still haven't seen the play. So if you would like to continue to describe exactly what happened there, I, I would still appreciate You don't need that. to know the unique details of the play. All you need to know is that 34-year-old Braden Coombs decided that, irrespective of what his head coach told him, he was going to call a fake punt. Because why not? I appreciate that, He just too. said, I'm going to... You know what? There, he doesn't... There's Daryl Bevel doesn't know what he wants, but just wait until I show him that what he wants is a fake punt in this situation. And then when it succeeds, I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to be promoted to offensive coordinator. It's going to be fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Now Brandon Coombs is out of a job. He thought his career was on the upshot, and and now who knows if he has I mean, one. it's it's a very, very bad week. I, I really, as as a human, I hope he lands a job somewhere, uh, just because I hope that good things happen to people. Yeah. But as a story in general, I think that's fantastic. Like, just... Which, like, it actually sounds like it was it was maybe not the greatest. Like, there were... I, I did see, like, in the, the one article that I pulled up to see, like, who the fuck this guy was... Um, there, there were apparently like several players that like special teamers that tweeted out like basically what the fuck. Yeah, it was, it was not, so, it was not good. Seems like he was well liked. It was yeah. not good. Uh, he, uh, didn't, despite the fact that he had a bad day, Braden Coombs did not have as bad of a day as you in fantasy football, David, because you came like on this podcast no. and talked about how you were not going to no. lose, talked about how my bye week 
Well, well, I didn't have a bye week. I had one extra week of the playoffs. And yet here we are. I am in the fantasy championship once again in our dynasty league. Second year in a row. I could end the league because of the unique features of this dynasty league. Once someone wins two years in a row, it resets. I could be that guy. And you're on the outside looking in. David, walk us through what happened. I don't, we should have saved this for the end because it's just not, I'm not there yet. I'm not ready to, to discuss it. I, I look, I fully admit that I talked a good amount of shit <laughs> in the lead up uh, to this, to this week and uh, knowing in the back of my mind that it was going to come back to bite me because that's what happens in fantasy football and fantasy football in 2020. Why should that be any different? I, I, it's just, uh, it's let's, bullshit. let's give you, um, uh, let's give you about 47 minutes to grieve. And then we'll come back to this topic. We'll, we'll come back to the details for any for like the five people who might actually either care or find um, my just rageful rant uh, entertaining. You can you it's can part of the brand that. drinking beer, hating running backs and maybe Nick Mullins uh, and <laughs> and rage quitting something. <laughs> Man, it's uh, oh, it's good to laugh though because uh, not. I'm glad you're laughing. I'm not no, fucking no, laughing. Not a lot of laughter out of the season so far. The Niners lost to the Cowboys, and that this was once a glorious rivalry. Man, it's it's like a merciful ending at this point. These two limp dick franchises smashing into each other on Sunday uh, resulted in kind of an exciting game for a bit. Like it, it was fun, and there was some back and forth. There was a lot of points, which was good. It's always fun to see scoring, but. Overall, when you look at what happened in this game and, and when you look at the Niners losing what was a winnable game, this was a game they could have won. It's just this iteration of this team can't overcome as many mistakes as they had on Sunday. You start with the turnovers right away. You've got fumble punt return. You've got Mullins doing Mullins things. They they even kind of almost got close. I mean, this is a team that couldn't overcome like what, like a nine point deficit last week. Um, and, and this week, you know, it just seemed like 14, 17 points was a stretch too far and it always seemed just out of reach for this version of the 49ers. And the only thing that I can take solace in, frankly, is that if, if you're not going to be in the playoffs, you want to get closer to that draft pick so that you can get your next Nick Bosa and try to run it back next year. Yeah, I, I mean, like, uh, you, you definitely at this point just yeah have to feel like this is ultimately the best outcome for, for the team long term and, um, you know, getting a better draft pick because... Like, look, as, as much fun as it would have been potentially to sneak into the playoffs and maybe, you know, there's that that chance you get Jimmy and Kittle back and some of these guys and like you see what happens, right? Anything can happen in the playoffs. Um, and it just it never really felt like that was going to go well. Like even if they managed to sneak in, it didn't feel like this team wa- was really good enough to make some sort of run. Right. Um, and, and so I do think like ultimately when we look back on this, um, you know, in a year or two, like it is going to be the best outcome, but dear God, watching Nick Mullins play like this was a, you know, this was a, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, this was a tie game, 24, 24. And Nick Mullins has fucking four turnover worthy plays like in the fourth quarter alone. Um, yeah, it, it just like, I mean, while it, it sucks that his, uh, you know, potentially time with the 49ers comes to an end, like with him being injured, like potentially seriously injured. Um, you know, I don't know what's exactly going to happen with his elbow there. And that would obviously be, be terrible if it was something, um, pretty significant, but 
like fucking Jesus, like watching that guy play football is, is yeah. The news out of San Franzona this week is that he has injured his elbow and he may require Tommy John surgery, which David, do you know what Tommy John surgery is? Cause I don't, I don't care about baseball enough to know what that surgery is. Right. I, I don't specifically like, I, I know that, yeah, it's, it's largely, um, you know, much more common in baseball with picture pitchers and, um, it has gotten to the point where it's like, it used to be like a career ender, you know, for, for pitchers. Um, and I, and I think now it's to the point where it's, it's largely something, um, they've figured out enough that most guys come back and, and are fine, I think. Um, but yeah, that's, that's about as, Oh, it's a, it's a injury to the UCL ligament, which I don't know what the U stands for, but maybe it's like ulnar collateral ligament. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense based on how we injured it. It's like the, the, the inside of the elbow, like right here, I'm pointing to it so David can see it. But those of you listening to my voice can't see it, but basically look at the inside, like the pinky side of your elbow. Uh, and that's the, that's the ligament that I think that the, that got torn, but yeah, it ultimately, you knew this was going to be a bad matchup for the Niners. Teams with good pass rushers generally give the Niners fits. And I think teams can overcome te- like uh, defenses that have good pressure packages. But unfortunately, Mullins is one of those quarterbacks that can't because he crumbles under pressure. And, and the Cowboys, of the things that they can still do well, one of them is they can maybe get after the quarterback. Demarcus Lawrence, still very good. Randy Gregory, still decent. Uh, and Alden Smith is okay enough. But what they did in this game, which was interesting, was they moved Alden Smith on the inside, meaning that Williams and McGlinchey saw some version of Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence. And by and large, they actually had a Gregory, it seemed like, mostly on Trent Williams, who was not the better pass rusher of the two. And then you had Demarcus Lawrence on the other side and Alden Smith on whatever guard he wanted to pick on. So from a game planning perspective, it was definitely a game plan where Nolan was picking on what he felt was the weak link at the tackle spot or the guard spot and try to deploy three pass rushers. And I mean, it worked fairly well. Mullins was pressured on 48% of his snaps-ish, uh, which is a lot once every other drop back. Um, still, some of them were his fault. Uh, but overall, it, it, this is just not a team that can overcome that kind of pressure. Yeah, I mean, I think the the approach makes sense to where you, you know, you, um, in terms of like putting Gregory... And just kind of maybe accepting that he's largely going to be, um, you know, mostly a non-factor going against Trent Williams. Um, and, and you kind of like just are okay with that as, as a guy who's like more your secondary, you know, tertiary pass rusher. And then, yeah, you give Lawrence a chance against the weaker tackle as a, as a pass protector on the opposite side. You let um, Alden Smith take advantage of, of what's been a, a really a weak spot um, all season long for the 49ers. And, and then we get, again, it comes back to, um, really the game script, you know, the four ers were, were never able to get out to like, you know, that, that double digit lead or something like that, where they really end up relying heavily on, um, you know, the, the, the passing game. And so that ended up being where, so you had, you know, 25 dropbacks for Mullins in the first three quarters and, and he was largely okay there. You know, I think he had like, uh, you know, the one turnover worthy play that was early in the first um in the first quarter there but like largely played pretty solid through it like as solid as we would expect nick mullins to to play at this point but then because of of where the game has gone um and and you get into the fourth quarter and again it's that tie game now we're to the point where they have to to throw and and you're really going to be dropping back a lot and the team as a as a whole had 23 dropbacks just in that fourth quarter mullins had 16 of them before he got hurt and and those were the situations when when he's dropping back 
and the defense knows that they're going to throw the ball, um, that he just isn't effective. Like he's just not useful. Had a 27 grade in the fourth quarter before he got hurt. Like um, just, just does not give them a chance when they need to play that style of football. Yeah, but you've got good guy Mullins. When he left the game, this is a direct quote from Mullins. He said, quote, I figured it was best for the team, for somebody who could throw the football to get in the game. And and if that doesn't sum up my man Mullins, I, I don't know what does. Uh, <laughs> all, all the best to him and his recovery. Yeah. But we've got C.J. Beathard who comes in. And C.J. Beathard at this point, the fact that he hasn't been able to unseat Mullins at the, the quarterback spot should tell you all you need to know. Yeah, he had a bomb that was completed. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that it covered any kind of spread to kind of get a backdoor cover, which would have been the most useful part of that of that Hail Mary. But there wasn't really anything left there to really talk about, to really think like, okay, the quarterback, or to learn from C.J. Beathard's performance. What we did learn in this game was that Brandon Ayuk continues to be awesome. I love Brandon Ayuk. And this was a game where you, you get to compare a little bit of Ayuk versus C.D. Lamb. Of course... I think we would say that the the Cowboys have a more competent quarterback than the 49ers do in Andy Dalton, even if Andy Dalton is not good. Uh, and yet, both players seem to perform just about the same, admirably well. Would you say, David, over the course of the season so far, that Brandon Ayuk and CeeDee Lamb are roughly comparable in their first season performances? Yeah, I, I mean, I think when you look solely at just like the production they've had this season, I, I think it's it's very, very close. I was looking at some of the numbers um, from just kind of rookie receivers in general. And when you kind of go down the line, I mean, their numbers are are nearly identical in some ways. I mean, I so Ayuk actually has um, the higher grade. So Justin Jefferson is really the only other rookie wide receiver no surprise the, the highest graded uh, rookie wide receiver this season um but he's the only one that's ahead of Ayuk at this point and then cd lamb is kind of in a large group um of other rookie receivers that are kind of you know somewhere in like the mid 70s or so but a lot the the reason why lamb is a little bit below Ayuk is is actually just because of um you know some things that like doing wrong are, are important so it's like he has a, he has a few more drops and i think he has a fumble uh, on the season where it doesn't have anything like that and so those are going to be you know obviously sometimes pivotal moments in th- those specific games and and um they get heavy downgrades usually uh and, and so those are things that are going to affect his grade but they're not necessarily things that like when you're looking more big picture outlook and just kind of like what this guy is going to be like going forward. You know, it's not necessarily going to be stuff. Uh, I think with Lamb, especially uh, because it didn't show up for him, is is a huge issue. Like in college or anything, like you're not ready to to say that that's just going to be a problem spot for him going forward. So I think once you kind of move to some of that other stuff though, like, uh, in terms, in terms of like their yards per attempt, how often they're targeted, um, you know, how far down the field they're targeted, what they're doing after the catch, like all of those numbers are, are very, very similar between the two. Ayuk's nine catch 73 yard performance against the Cowboys puts him in second place for most catches by a rookie in franchise history. Third place on that list, Debo Samuel, who is now third, uh, top of the list. Earl Cooper had 83 catches in 1980. Wow. Back when Bill Walsh was dinking and dunking, uh, <laughs> Earl Cooper had a whole lot of catches as a rookie. Uh, last season, Samuel caught 57 passes for 802 yards. Uh, and, and so you compare him to what Ayuk is doing now. Ayuk already has 59 and 733 yards 
And and we talked last week, I think, about Ayuk's depth of target. He's getting those yards in a different way than Debo got them. Debo's depth of target was largely fueled by yards after the catch. And Ayuk has some yards after the catch, but his de- depth of target is near 10 yards this season, which is, that's real wide receivership. Like, that's yep. the, you're, you're targeted down the field. Um, and Samuel has done that. Samuel did that last season, missing one game in 2019. Ayuk has missed three games this year. So he's performing at the same level while doing so with fewer games. So still, I mean, still two to go, obviously as well. To, yeah, to kind of I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think he's gonna top. Um, like, I, I, it would, it would be a stretch for him to top a thousand yards. I don't think he's gonna top a thousand. I think he might get yeah. in like the you know, like 850, 950 area if he's got two really good games. Um, but but overall, he is exactly as advertised. We were very excited about Ayuk. We thought he was a custom fit for this offense, and it turns out he is. I, you know, we were both sad about not getting someone like CD, but when you when you think about the 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 value the Niners got with uh with Brandon Ayuk and someone like Kinlaw, who Kinlaw's rookie year hasn't been as um, you know, as good as Ayuk's, but you get two players, two first round talents, and you you yes, you don't pass on or you pass on CeeDee Lamb, but I feel like that's a good exchange. Like getting two players to, you know, one that is, you know, potentially as good as CeeDee Lamb, maybe has a similar career. I don't know. That, you know, Jerry's still out there still many years. Um, but you also get the opportunity to have another hit with Kinlaw is better than maybe just getting CeeDee. I don't know. I feel like it's the, the trade up still feels a little squishy, but yeah. I feel like that's that's a good spot for the Niners to be in getting two players instead of one. Yeah, I, I mean, potentially, right? I, I think there there is more, you know, to to consider, obviously, with with the trade up, and then you know what you're giving up there, and and the other players that could have been picked, um, and you know, I don't remember exactly, like, you know, you get into scenarios of like, okay, if they took CD Lamb first, like, who was available with that other pick, like, you know, what what could they have done with a, a different two person combo if they went Lamb first? So I think you know, obviously, there's a lot of a lot of what ifs there, but ultimately, like, the the player that they got. The fact that that I think we're even considering that he's had, you know, it, that he's playing at a comparable level to CD Lamb through at least one season, I still think that that Lamb um, overall like has, um, you know, there's there's more potential for a higher level of play with with Lamb. Um, you know, I think like the number if you you know if you were to play out their careers a thousand times, the number of times that Lamb is like a true all pro, like top caliber guy is probably like more significant than, than what Ayuk has. But, um, you know, I, I think he definitely has closed that gap and he's made you feel really good about the fact that they may have finally found, um, you know, a, a quality receiver in the draft that can do actual wide receiver things down the field and, and, you know, be a productive part of this offense for quite a while. And overall, it's it's an incredible class of wide receivers. It just feels like there's so many hits that we're going to be watching some good wide receivers for several years as a result of this class. You talked about Justin Jefferson already, but you go right down the line. You've got Brandon Ayuk, but but there are. It just feels like there's so many wide receivers that are that are gonna be good in that glut of wide receivers. Jerry Judy is going to be good as soon as he gets a quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you it's T Higgins, Chase Claypool. Um, T Higgins you know, I, was the guy who I was, I was like, you were worried that he was going to be the, the just really big throw the ball up kind of guy, like maybe another, uh, Artega Whiteside. Um, but he's, <laughs> but he's like good and, yeah. and it would have sucked to have a class like this and not have the Niners get a wide receiver out of that glut of wide receivers. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of the, I remember talking about that a lot, you know, leading up to the draft and, and that this was, you know, a wide receiver class where you you really wanted to grab a receiver because, you know, it felt like one of those potentially historic uh, type of classes where you were going to have a lot of really quality players at that position. And, um, you know, even guys that haven't done, like I think Judy, you know, obviously dealing with um, quarterback issues and, and but I, but I think what he's done from at least what I've seen from him on on an individual basis and, and in terms of getting open and doing the things that we saw from him in college you know I think that he can still be a really good player guys like Jalen Rager um, right like that that have had an okay season that still have a lot of potential there and he's dealt with some injury and stuff and even Denzel uh, Mims yeah like Mims um, Henry Ruggs hasn't been like super great this year but it's like shown some flashes hurts for it <laughs> i was so excited to get rugs when i got him but it's 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 interesting about yeah. Ayuk though because you you put a bit more value on the the players that gms trade up for there's a tweet that josh norris had this week and he, and he talked about how you know there's a lot of things that go into evaluation and and you know opportunity costs but ultimately when a gm trades up you kind of have to judge them a bit harsher on that player because that's the player they felt sure enough in their evaluation that they would give up resources to go up and get that player. And and the trade-up life for the Niners hasn't been great. You've got Reuben Foster, CJ Beathard, and Joe Williams. All trade-up candidates in, or all people the Niners traded up for in that first-year draft. It just basically smacked of a team that was super confident in their own evaluation. They knew the guy, and they were going to go and trade up and get that guy. Year two, don't have as many trade-ups, but they still trade up for Dante Pettis. Uh, and that one stings a bit uh, because of some other trade shenanigans that David researched. And, and you don't really see too many trade-ups of consequence until you get to Brandon Ayuk. And, and at least they hit one of five. <laughs> uh, because the 20% hit rate is, is going to, you know, you had to hit some point, I guess. Sure. I'm glad yeah. it was with Ayuk. And some of those, I think, really just illustrate like the I think the point that we've tried to make about trading up generally. Right. And and because what you're saying, like you mentioned with the really the Norris tweet, right, what that's getting at is like as a GM or as an organization, when you make the decision that we're going to trade up for a player and, and we're talking obviously like players. Um, you know, I would say in the first two days of the draft, largely like for first four rounds ish, like those are, those are the rounds where you're getting players that you're really expecting to like be on your team and, and, and contribute in some meaningful way. Right. It, it, you know, like nobody gives a shit about your, your five spot trade up in the sixth round to get a guy like, sure, whatever, do, do what you want to do there. Um, but, but when you're talking about some of those earlier picks, you know, you see like you start with like the Joe Williams trade, right? So they moved up from 143 to 121 to take Joe Williams, a player that they felt right more sure about than, than the other players that were there. Guess who was taken with 143? Marlon Mack. Like, you know, you you could have just sat like it's oh the point is like you you can't be overconfident in going after a player because it's just there's so much unknown with the draft, right? And like the point is you're always, especially with like a, a position like running back, like there's always going to be other players that are there. You could have just sat tight. You could have held on to another fifth round pick uh, that, that you didn't need to give up. And you could have still got a running back there that can contribute. The Dante Pettis one is even funnier. So like that involves like a, a, a trade where basically in 2017 in year one, they traded away a third round pick to the saints and they got, uh, a second rounder in 2018 and they used that second rounder to, to move up to get Pettis 
the third rounder that they traded in 2017, the Saints used to take Alvin Kamara. So, you know, it, it's just like, uh, it, it's it's the overconfidence thing and just a trap that is really difficult, I think, for organizations to not fall into. Because obviously, you, you get to some of those positions where you're John Lynch and you're Kyle Shanahan, and you get there for good reason because, you, like, you know football and and you, you know you've largely been very good at what you've done prior to that point. Um, but but you just can't fall into that trap because it so often does not work out for you. So in, in terms of, we're going to get some quick hits. We're going to talk a bit more. Uh, we're actually going to have a special guest on here in a second to do uh, to run back one of the old features of the pod, maybe uh, <laughs> something that rhymes with Rontlet. And and we'll talk a little bit about David's fantasy team, but let's get to some quick hits uh, and then maybe some sponsor talk because really we just wanted to tell you that Nick Mullins leads the NFL in turnover-worthy plays since week nine. He had <laughs> 17 turnover-worthy plays. This is Carson Wentzian. In terms of his propensity yeah. to turn over the football this season, it's a uh, he's been a turnover machine, like an absolute turnover machine. If he were still playing, and honestly, even if he's not, and, and you're playing daily fantasy or streaming a defense, pick up the team that's playing the Niners. What's wild? He had five in this game, and the fumble wasn't even one of them. Because the, the the fumble that he had like really isn't one that's like terribly on him. Like he was kind of mid throwing motion. It was, uh, you know, a throw that was mostly yeah. on rhythm, and it was just like a good play. I think it was Lawrence, right? That like reached Stuck around Glinchy, yeah, and gets his hand in there. And it's like that's one that that you're not going to hit the quarterback with too hard because there's really no expectation that he should have any sort of ball security in that standpoint. Um, but five other times there was definitely an expectation that he should, uh, you know, be a little bit more careful with the ball, and and it just like. The throw, you know, the the accuracy when he's trying to to throw the ball downfield at all, like I, I want to say, like three of his turnover worthy plays were were trying to hit like more downfield stuff opposite hash, and it's just like, dude, you don't have the fucking arm strength for that. Like, you, you, like you got to know what you can do and, and play within that, and and you just yeah, like, and then there's this like not seen guy. It's just terrible all around. It's just it's really bad football. The 49ers are going to have three pro bowlers, Fred Warner, Trent Williams, and Kyle Juszczyk. And the most notable thing about Kyle Juszczyk, David, is that I have finally learned how to spell his last name unassisted. Wow. I know. I, I When he was signed, I mean, that was a goal. That was a, a flag I set for myself. I was like, I'm going to spell his name unassisted without looking it up, without autocorrect. I can finally do it. And uh, who knows if he's going to be on the team much longer than two weeks. <laughs> Uh, look, here's my thing. Why the fuck are we still sending a, a, a fullback to the Pro Bowl? Hey, we're sending long snappers to the Pro Bowl now, too. Well, sure. I mean, that's... Re- yeah, you send your specialists, right? Like, what else are they, you know, going to do? Um, but and, and obviously, you still... Until you, I guess you get rid of special teams in, in the Pro Bowl, um, which isn't a terrible idea. Um, but, yeah, like, come on. Fullbacks, like, let's let's give that spot to somebody who actually matters. George Kittle. Will play if he's healthy. I, th- I have a, I have a sense he's going to play. Uh, I get the sense he's going to play. Uh, but Jimmy Garoppolo will not play, which is why we're going to get to a little bit of evaluation talk and, and who the recent signing was uh, from the practice squad of one Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But for the international listeners, next week's game will be on Amazon Prime and on Twitch. It's going to be part of Amazon's uh, Thursday or Saturday night streaming package. And so if you haven't been able to watch the games and you catch up on some of the Niners stuff based on pods and whatnot, next week's game, Amazon Prime, Twitch. You'll be able to watch it live uh, because it will be streamed everywhere. 
So we're going to get to some evaluation talk because we are now officially in evaluation season. We're going to talk about some priority free agents, a little bit of Josh Rosen talk, and we're going to do a gauntlet where uh, special guest returns for a little bit of fun. But before we do that, let's bring you a quick word from our sponsors because this broadcast, this podcast is brought to you by Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. You can sift through all of those Microsoft Office-generated resumes. Uh, my favorite resumes are the ones that come like they look out of a, like a, a university mill just the same typeface, the same header. looks like it's just like they just change the name and just send them all in. This happens all the time. My favorite cover letter I ever got, David, when I was doing hiring a couple companies ago, um, this was the entirety of the cover letter, one sentence. And it said, my salary demands are $120,000 a year. (laughs) (laughs) That was like, it was a straight up ransom note as a cover letter. (laughs) (laughs) that's incredible you should have hired him immediately oh man that was the other one was uh we got (laughs) okay technical writers have some of the worst fucking resumes i shit you not the the i had a 19 page pdf document as a resume for someone who had like four years of experience it was (laughs) not great it was terrible and unlike other sites Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring, so you only pay what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there's no long-term contracts. You can sift through all the bullshit and get to the people that matter. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria, and you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. This pod is also brought to you by Bet Online. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads and totals to team and player coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins division and championship futures all day every day do you think there's a lot of money coming in on the futures at this point david <laughs> like someone said i mean it took look, me 15 weeks of evidence but i feel like now yeah. is the time to make my bet <laughs> right it, like we're no longer in full we're on the backswing of the season all right, like it's almost over here. Hey man, no future. They'll update the ad copy soon. Don't worry. Bet on Bet Online. They're lifelong partners. We give we give them some slack here. Uh, so you can head on Bet Online. You can head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great signup bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's talk a bit about evaluations because it, with the Niners being eliminated from the playoffs. It's really time to look at the roster and we're not ready to do a full roster eval or the whole better rivals roster model quite yet. But there's a couple of things that have come up recently that we thought, okay, there's some priority free agents. We should probably talk about which ones we prioritize. And there's this whole Josh Rosen thing that happened. 
Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that before we get to the gauntlet with Richard coming back uh, to reprise his role as the third member of the the Q. Remember what we used to call us the, the Q formation? That was, oh, fuck. That was yeah, a long time that's ago. right. A long, long time ago. <laughs> um, but okay, Niner signed Josh Rosen. Let's talk about Rosen. Why make this move now? There's only two weeks left. Some of it is practical. Some of it is even more practical. But a lot of it has to do with COVID. The entirety of it is practical. You you literally need a backup quarterback right now. Like you have one healthy quarterback um, that that you can put out there on the field um, on Sunday, and so you need a warm body, or you're going to end up in a you know a Denver Broncos situation where you're you know I don't know maybe we're going to put offensive weapon Kyle Uzcheck at quarterback. You know if if Beathard goes down or something like that. He so, was the emergency quarterback last season. Oh no shit. Yeah. Like, all right. He was the emergency quarterback last season. It was typically Jarek McKinnon, but with Jarek McKinnon, you know, needing yeah. to grow his knee back, he he couldn't play. And so Juszczyk was the emergency quarterback this season. If the Niners would not have been able to have signed a practice squad quarterback, it would have been Jarek McKinnon who played quarterback in the triple option offense at Georgia, uh, Georgia Southern. Look, I'm not going to lie. That sounds like the most entertaining thing that could potentially happen. Uh, over these final two weeks is is getting is seeing what Kyle Shanahan would do and uh, seeing if he could get some sort of like college offense out there with McKinnon at quarterback. I say let's just do that anyway, even though you do have Beathard on the roster. But um, yeah, back to us. I like that. I, I I really think that's the only reason. Like like yeah, you can say um, you want to take a look at him or something. Like, but but the guy's been hot garbage since the moment he stepped into the league. So. Yeah, the signing, it it comes down to just the mechanics of the COVID protocols this season. Because for a free agent quarterback to be signed, uh, and then before they can join the team, they have to test negative uh, and be uh, basically have to test negative twice or have like a five day quarantine or something. It's why when Jordan Willis was traded, um, you know, he couldn't come to and join the team right away. There's just some testing protocols that need to happen. And so for the Niners to have a backup quarterback, who has played professional football or who is capable of doing it at the quarterback position, they needed to get a practice squad quarterback to do it because they've been getting tested every single day. So they have kind of a string of negative tests. Now, with with it's difficult to pry a quarterback away from a playoff team. And that's what the Niners did with the the nine and five bucks. And Rosen specifically chose to go to Tampa Bay because he wanted to, you know, rehab his career by standing next to Tom Brady. Uh, maybe he's treating it like a head coaching gig in Sean McVay. Like maybe if I'm just close to Brady, uh, I'll become a good quarterback. Just like, you know, coaches become head coaches just by being close to McVay. But I, I can't imagine that the Niners didn't give him a bit of lip service about next year's quarterback gig to say, Hey, if you leave a playoff job and or a playoff team and you come and you join us, there's an opportunity to play where there is not that opportunity to play in Tampa Bay. So if we're going to look at, at Rosen as a quarterback who could maybe, you know, audition as, you know, a, a practice guy or backup quarterback, kind of start to learn the offense for two weeks and then maybe have a shot next season. Um, what's what's the optimist view of this signing? Because there are some people who think this is a good move. I mean, the I think the only way that you can look at this optimistically is, is you go back to um, the fact that he's a, a first round quarterback. Right. Which um, in and of itself, like doesn't really mean a whole lot at this point, especially when you, you know, have the the number of 
um, NFL dropbacks that he has in his career so far. Um, but, but I think that's the, that's what you're saying, right? Is this is, uh, obviously a player that was talented enough that NFL teams and, and not just one, I don't think like, I don't, I, it wasn't a stretch to, to call Josh Rosen during the draft, like a first round quarterback. I think he was pretty much universally viewed as that. Um, and, and so you're saying that, yeah, you're taking a chance on a guy who maybe has had, um, some rough situations and, and hasn't been, you know, with the best teams and the best supporting cast and coaching staffs and, and, and all of that. And that's kind of why he's struggled as much as he has. And, and so you're hoping that a, a coach like Kyle Shanahan, who, who we know is very good and is going to set his quarterbacks up, um, you know, with, with some pretty good opportunities to be successful, like maybe he can thrive in that sort of environment. Um, I, I don't think that that's actually how it will play out. We've talked about Marcel Harris on this pod before, and we've said we have over a thousand snaps of Marcel Harris not being good at football. And in today's NFL, that's enough snaps to tell you something meaningful. Josh Rosen has 978 total snaps of playing football at the NFL level. Almost all of them are bad. He does not have a season-long passing PFF grade above 50. His first season was 48.2. His next season was 47.1. For context, Nick Mullins, in the game against Dallas, <laughs> under pressure, had a rating of like 46. So Josh Rosen overall as a passer is Nick Mullins under pressure. Since Rosen came in the league, so uh, that was the, the 2018 draft, right? So we have basically three seasons um, of, of NFL play during that time. Um, you have 50 quarterbacks with at least 250 dropbacks during that time. Rosen is 50 in, in PFF grade over that entire span using that whole full, like every, every dropback within that three seasons, give us one grade, uh, you know, as, as the output, he is dead last. Um, and, and it's not especially close. Like, um, he has been very, very bad when he's on the football field. Like, uh, it, there's just no way around it. There's no way to sugarcoat his performance since he's, he's coming into the league. Yeah. It, it's not, it's not a good, it's not, he's just not had a good career. The, the, and when you think about what the, the optimist view is here, it's like, yeah, he is a talented quarterback who still i think had some of these issues in college right like his completion percentage wasn't super high in college and he had some issues with turnovers in college but um i think you th that optimist view is probably not the likely outcome the likely outcome is that josh rosen just continues to be bad but frankly the niners have to do something and if it's going to be at this point low risk then you know what fine like you try something out you get a backup quarterback you see if there's anything there but I would not pin my hopes on this being Josh Rosen's rehabilitation. Like the, the team grabbed Josh Johnson before they went out and tried to get Rosen. And the only reason that Rosen is, is being brought in is because Johnson, who is on the practice squad right now, has, is on the COVID list. Right? So it's not just Mullins who's injured. It's also Josh Johnson who's injured. And, and the team was, was already thinking that he was going to be a better prospect than, than Rosen at this point for the team right now. So... It's just not something that I see being a meaningful pickup for the Niners really, you know, in these next two weeks, unless there's an injury or in the future. Yeah. And, and it's just like, I, I think it's, it's really like most every aspect of his game has really been problematic. I, I think an underrated one that I really remember 
um, you know, him struggling with and just in, in grading his games over the last few years is like he's been especially poor, even when you get beyond the just like what he's doing as a passer and, and when he's actually throwing the ball, which has been problematic. Um, but but what he has been as far as uh, his how he operates within the pocket, right, and, and the amount of pressure that he brings on himself, the amount of sacks that he takes um, a, a, as a result of some of that stuff um, is just been really, really bad. So, uh, yeah, I think you have a guy that, um, you know, doesn't do very well navigating the pocket and, and setting things up in that way. And then even when he, you know, does end up throwing the ball downfield, a lot of times bad things are happening. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking to pluck one thing out of his game, it's really it's going to be those downfield throws. Um, he's every now and again he's got a really really good one that looks really really pretty. Um, but as as we've seen with Mullins, it's not just about whether or not you can do it. If you're playing quarterback in this league, and if you've been drafted in the first round in this league, you you can do it. You can make that throw. But the difference is, can you make it consistently? Can you do it with a frequency that is going to provide benefit for the offense? Or is it something that is not the expectation, but rather the surprise? Uh, and unfortunately, with Josh Rosen right now, um, it's it's just surprise, right? You've got that vertical over-the-shoulder throw, and, and that's really about it. Um, so it's certainly something to monitor, right? At this point, Mullins and Beathard are not going to be um, their free agents. And Mullins is a, a restricted free agent. Uh, Beathard at this point is not. I can't see both of them coming back again to run it back. Maybe one of them, maybe none of them. Uh, but this is going to be, I think, if Josh Rosen is going to rehab his career, it starts now. And if you think that Rosen's going to be, if you think Rosen's worth it, it's something to monitor. Uh, I just don't think that that's going to be like the modal outcome in this scenario. Yeah, I, I, I think it's uh, in in no way should you be expecting like anything significant to happen from this. And like, look, if they end up deciding that they want to, you know, keep him around and he's willing to do so. And, and you know, he stays in the practice squad for a little bit or something like that. And like you want you want to give them a chance to develop like sure why not like there there are, are certainly like worse players uh, i'm sure that you could take that chance on um but but expecting like anything to actually come from it is, is just you know setting yourself up to be disappointed really yeah so when they're when we think about the other free agents that the niners have because we talked about mullins we've talked about bethard don't think that either one of them are priorities to resign at this point and and frankly when you're thinking about backups I wouldn't be surprised if Rosen ends up playing himself into a backup role and they let both Mullins and Beathard go in free agency. I could see that being a scenario that happens too. Um, but now you get to the other players that are perhaps more of a priority for the team to resign. So I've got a list of players here and, and David, you can see my list because we have a shared note. Uh, but is there and the number one on my list of priority people to resign is Trent Williams. We did a Patreon video about him this week, um, just looking at some of his plays in just one game against the Dallas Cowboys to show you why he is such a valuable piece of that offensive line and why he's so good. And and that's my number one. Do you have a different number one? Do you think that there should be someone else the Niners should prioritize to sign as a free agent, not re-sign like, because they're going to be a free agent in a year, which is where Fred Warner is, right? But players who are not under contract in 2021 for the 49ers, that they should make a priority. No, I, I mean, I think it's Trent Williams, and I don't honestly think it's especially close. Like, um, that that is the spot right now where if they were to lose him, um, that they risk the largest potential drop-off at 
the most significant position, right? Like left tackle is is a very big deal, um, and and you want to have a quality player there. Not only in in this offense, we've talked about, um, you know, in the past how Shanahan really does value tackles generally, and and that has always kind of been a priority for him. And so you you do think that the 49ers are going to view it that way as well, and and really look to try to keep him around. But yeah, I, I think it is. It is him and then everyone else, um, you know, after that. It, but when you're we're talking about who they need to resign. That offensive line just looks so much. It, it looks like a, a position group that doesn't need a lot to get over the top when Trent Williams is there. If he's gone, all of a sudden things get real dicey. And yep. and I know that Sean Coleman, it, you know, he took the year off because of COVID and he could come back, but he's always been a swing tackle. Like, I don't know that you're expecting Sean Coleman to come in and play a, a starting left tackle role. And, Dan Brunskill, he played 10 good games at, you know, tackle and he had some good spots. But based on his performance at different parts of the line this year so far, maybe he's got a consistency issue. Maybe he's better suited for the interior. Maybe he's the new backup center. Who the hell knows? Um, but but yeah, but I think it's Trent Williams that it's not close. Who do, who do you think then is number two on that list? Um, I, I think you probably move into the secondary at that point. I, I, I think kind of looking in like, the list of of unrestricted free agents, by the way, like next year, uh, it is very long. Like there are are just a lot of players that, um, you know, potentially could be could be leaving. But I I think I go to somebody like K1 Williams, like, um, and, and just as a player that I don't think is necessarily going to be super expensive to keep. I mean, like what he he's currently making on his contract is, you know, I think was like right around 3 million per year, just like average per year value. Um, and, and so I don't know that like he's been a splashy enough player, you know, he doesn't, it's not like he gets a ton of interceptions or, or something like that. Like he's not making some of those big, huge impact plays always, but he's just such a quality solid player um, at, at that slot cornerback spot. And especially, I think he fits really well within this system and in the zone heavy system that they run. Um, I, I think that is where he needs to be. He's not like the best man cover guy. Um, and, and so I just think, yeah, fit there and, and quality of player and importance of position. Like he's probably the next one for me that I would look at. Yeah. I think he's definitely overperformed in terms of value for the, the money he's getting as a slot corner. The, the only way that I think that he slips down that that list is if the defensive coordinator is different and we get a different defensive coordinator who maybe does play more man, in which case then he, he becomes less of a piece because he is more custom fit for his own scheme. So this kind of does presume that there's there's some kind of continuity with with the defense that yeah. we're seeing right now, um, because I do think that it's probably some it's either Kamal Williams or maybe even Jason Verrett. Like I have Jason Verrett a little higher on my list just because it is an every down cornerback that's out on the field as opposed to K1, who's more of the slot guy. Um, and and I think that if you don't have if you end up signing K1, but don't end up signing Jason Verrett and Richard Sherman leaves somewhere else, that leaves you in a really precarious spot with Emmanuel Mosley and someone else. And at that point, you're trying to fill that spot with a free agent and I wonder, or, or a draft pick, and, and I wonder if there are free agents out there that you'd be able to get at the same price point as Jason Verrett that would be that would play to, to his level. And, and by that, I don't mean that he's been playing at like a Pro Bowl, All-Pro level, but he's played decent enough, I think, to merit a starting role. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think like for him, it really comes down to cost for me, and and I, I certainly am not opposed to um, bringing Brett back, and uh, and I think he has played well. Like he certainly hasn't, um, you know, approached the the player that he was pre a million fucking injuries, which you know obviously is is to be expected. But um, you know, if there was like holding out that hope that he was gonna go back to being a, a top flight corner like he hasn't been that guy so I think it, it is more in the like realm of like yes he's a very solid player like he hasn't um, been terrible like he should be a starting cornerback somewhere in all likelihood and so I think you, that's a guy that's like yes you, you you would like to bring him back but you're not going to like overpay for him either right I think it's kind of where I'm at with Brett yeah, and then lastly I think for me it's Ben Garland I think Ben Garland just as a center because I think Weston Richburg is probably not going to be on the team next year and so I think that as a center, he's played well enough to earn an opportunity to compete. And if the Niners are going to go and get a, a different center to have some competition there or maybe compete with someone like Dan Brunskill, who's played as, as kind of the backup role, I think he's the other guy that you get just because that is another position of importance for the 49ers when it comes to Shanahan and what he likes to do. And so I think that's, that's really like kind of one, two, and three for me. Everyone else falls into some kind of bin below there like that's like it'd be nice to have them if you can afford them but i'm gonna put my money here before i put it anywhere else i think david lombardi had the niners at a projected kind of cap next year of about 38 million when you factor in like a projected 185 million dollar cap uh about six million in incentives that players didn't earn that you get back and three million of carryover um it roughly leaves you with about 38 million dollars in space uh and so i think between that what's likely looking like an extension for Fred Warner. This is probably where you're going to spend your money and then you're going to fill your roster elsewhere. Yeah, I think the the one other player that I would bring up um, potentially, and, and it's such a, a tough decision, I think, when you're talking about someone like this, but it's it's Jaquaski Tart, right? And, and I think from a pure talent standpoint, he would be number two on this list for me. Um, but obviously with him, the, the question has been injury and he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And, and so you're always, um, you know, taking a chance a little bit on that guy. And so you, though you do wonder, like, because of that, does that depress his value a little bit and, and can you retain him, um, you know, for maybe a little bit cheaper and, and keep him around? Cause I, I do think that like, he is a quality player and, and again, defensive backs, like you need them, like, um, you know, while, while, uh, you know, outside corner might be, uh, I, I think slightly the priority over some of the other spots, like ultimately you need defensive backs at every position because it, it, it is very easy, um, offensively to just kind of say like, we're going to target these specific areas of the field where these bad players are right. Like, so even if you have a star cornerback on the outside. Yeah. Like that, that does help. And there's some things coverage wise, obviously that you can do to kind of roll things away from him and, and give guys additional help, you know, the opposite side, but you can still avoid that guy as an offense. And, and if you have a glaring weak spot somewhere else, and if that's at safety and, and you're talking about stuff over the middle of the field that, you know, quarterbacks and a lot of these offenses like to go to anyway, like safety is also a big deal, especially with, uh, you know, again, the coverages of the 49ers have been kind of leaning towards, um, th- this season and last season. So it, it is a spot that I think is interesting to me and, and I'll be, um, you know, curious to see how they value him considering the injury stuff. Come on. You don't want to go get Andrew Sandejo. I would love to make Sandejo Pendejo jokes on the reg. <laughs> We can make it happen. Uh, do they need to bring back a Kula Weatherspoon to uh, <laughs> to pair with them? I love that one. 
Akulo. It's my favorite. It's so good. Uh, and, and I think that pretty much like that, that's going to be the priority. I think we'll, we'll maybe talk about a little bit more of, of what we think for some other players. I think maybe next week we'll talk about players that have a little something to prove over the next couple of weeks that might, uh, could make a stronger case for themselves over the next two weeks as they move into a year where the Niners are going to have some tough decisions with, I think somewhere near 40 free agents and, and not a lot of cap space and a very, very good player. Uh, who's made the Pro Bowl in Fred Warner, who needs to get some monies. But let's get to the last segment for today's show. It's going to be a return to something we used to do often in the old days of the pod. When there were three of us, it's going to be, uh, it was called the gauntlet. And our, our third co-host, Richard, would come on. He would ask questions to both you and me, David. And we would answer the question. And whomever answered the question, to the satisfaction of Richard, not who was factually correct, not who was accurate, but whomever uh, really made the case for for Richard is the person who got the point. He's going to bring us five questions in this gauntlet that we're going to answer. And and really, it's going to be another opportunity for you to lose like you did in fantasy this week. This is really... I fucking hate the gauntlet. And, and this is really going to be the fuel for the fantasy rage rant fire um, that is going to happen at the very end. Like this is... like Like I've started... You know, it's Tuesday now. I've started to kind of come back down find a sense of normal like this is going to be the thing right here um that that relights the fire yeah uh all right so here comes the gauntlet bringing it back running back the gauntlet one more time just to you know needle david a little bit give him another thing he can lose uh richard i've already explained the rules to the listeners okay thank god because i forget them uh well you had to write the questions so i hope you you wrote them in a way that's consistent with the uh the way the game is played but man i hope so too uh find out you loft a question we each answer yes uh you determine the winner based on whomever pleases you much like the final two games of the 49er season it really doesn't matter i mean yeah all All right right. let's let's get started let's go all right um david i'll uh i'll give you uh uh, you want to go first or second? I will go second. All right. That was a bad choice, but whatever. I'm not going to hold that question against you, David. All right. First question. I want your best. My baby's a genius moment. My baby's a genius. Jesus. Um, mostly benign things like her reaching for two things that she loves, uh, beer and coffee. Mm. Uh, and it's like, you know what? You're getting a head start on life. You're a genius. These are two things you're going to enjoy. You just can't have any of them right now. For a long while, probably. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you can, there's already something ingrained in, in your code that tells you that you love these two things. <laughs> beer. Yeah, she was, grabbing, she was trying to grab my beer on Sunday. Uh, and then she just was looking at the coffee real hard. Real hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my so yeah, my, my daughter does uh, very similar things. Very interested, like... Real like lately has started really trying to observe us eating and drinking things. And and this actually happened uh today. Grabbed um a can, it was just like um, you know, fucking sparkling water, um, uh from my wife and like started to move it with two hands to her mouth to drink it. And like we had never let her hold a can or do anything like that before. So that was like the first we like, holy shit, you've just been watching us do this and you've already got it figured out. Yep. Uh, I'm going to give David the points on that one. That's a pretty big moment. She's going for the sparkling water. That's a pretty big deal for me. What is she going to work in a startup or something? Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. This next question may be a little confusing, but we're going to try it. I have a backup question if it doesn't work. All right. We've talked a lot about the Dalton line. It's been that long since you've been on the pod. It has been wow. that long. Yeah. Yeah. You guys still have a Dalton line? You ever talk yeah, about but the, the quarterback has been updated quite a bit since Is then. it Alex Smith, I think? It was Alex Smith for a bit. It was Alex Smith. Yeah. Kirk Cousins flirted with the line for a bit. Uh, sure. Although he's he's blown right, past so it. So you're familiar point. with the line. That's important. Um, yep. Which of the quarterbacks at the Dalton line do you think the Niners could win with? Could win with? Yeah. Oh man! Like just like just anyone? Like if I could pick a quarter of like a mid-tier shitty quarterback, yeah. basically. Exactly. If you can swap out Garoppolo for a mid-tier quarterback, who is it and why? Oh man! Um, Who's going first? David, you're up first. David's this one, up right? first. Yeah. I'm up first. Uh, let's see. I think I would go with someone. I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like you you would do well with a veteran quarterback there. Um, I mean, the I, it, maybe it's just because this it's a name that's been like you know popped around as like the Niners going after him potentially. But like Stafford is is a guy like right around that line. I think that that would do well because he I think could operate like within the system enough for Shanahan to be on board with it but he still brings uh you know an, an extra element that the 49ers don't have in, in terms of the ability to throw some stuff downfield more successfully all right Stafford uh I'm gonna go ahead and throw a challenge flag on that and I'm gonna say that Stafford is not in the mid-tier of shitty quarterback category uh-huh. uh absolutely which, a fucking mid-tier quarterback. which means that uh David's answer is immediately invalidated I could tell you that the answer is poop and I should still win this point but I think if you're going to go to the mid-tier of shitty quarterbacks um I, I would I would say yeah we're gonna run it back with Kirk Cousins I'm going to unleash a take uh, that I I think I mentioned it on the Patreon. I don't know if I've told you this. I may have told you this in passing earlier this week. Passing early. Um, we but, were drunk at the time, so absolutely. We'll just repeat it while you're. I'm assuming you're drunk. I'm a little. No, I'm not drunk. But well, the, I'll be drunk enough for two of us. Then. Yeah. The I, I do think that if the Niners had Kirk Cousins at quarterback, they would be in a much better position overall, and maybe would have won that Super Bowl last year. Um, he is not appreciably better than a lot of quarterbacks but he can do a few things well he is he's played relatively well this year he's got he's more aggressive um and he knows that he can play within the structure and has done so well for for shanahan that doesn't mean that he's a good quarterback overall and that he's in that elite space but for whatever reason him combined with shanahan i think can do good things and there was a reason that shanahan was going after him so if we're taking the the idea of like salary and all that shit kind of and, and unencumber it i think it's Kirk cousins um i like the stafford answer you had meant you had floated that earlier. I like the idea of Stafford as a Niner. I think that could go really well. I kind of agree with you that he's not mid tier, but he's close enough to mid tier that I'll give him the points. I Cousins think... is better than Stafford. You think like, so? It, like overall, like his oh. if you were to like mm-hmm. look at it, you know, how he's graded like over the last several seasons and, and look at that, like absolutely cousins would be higher on them. Like I don't personally like cousins, like um, but like if we're gonna like pick that bone, like yes. All right, Steph, you get the points, David. You don't have to sell me. I'm giving you the points. All right, next question. Favorite Niner celebration dance of all time? Oh, Merton Hanks, Merton Hanks chicken dance. Easy. Shit. I mean, that's the um, right answer. David, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know that there's a better one than that, so we, I'll, just, I'll just go ahead and We brought up this up. I, was this on the, the Patreon yeah. pod? Like, I, I, hate, I hated the Niners, but God, I love Merton Hanks and that chicken dance. That is like... Yeah. <laughs> 
It was great. And uh, I so I didn't notice this during the game, but Ayuk did the T.O. kind of stand near the star. He didn't stand on the star and and put his hands out like oh, in that T.O. celebration. On. I know. You got to go 100%. I agree. All right. I agree. It, it would have been a bad look, though, because the Niners lost the game. So, <laughs> I mean, sure, but who gives a fuck? <laughs> Tough but fair. All right. Here's the next one. Um, David, you're up first. Is Kyle Shanahan the next Andy Reid? Great coach, smart play designer, critical flaw, can't get the championship for another 15, 20 years with a different team, not the Niners. Oh, man. I mean, it could be if he never finds a quarterback. I mean, that was kind of, uh, you know, what Reed's issue for for a really long time. I mean, um, he just never really had anyone that that was in that upper tier. Like he basically lived in the the mid tier um, quarterback world for, for a long time. And I think that's kind of where Shanahan's been. Um, he had the one great season with Matt Ryan, obviously. And, um, we, we know how that ended, but, uh, man, yeah, I, I really want to say no, because I fucking hope that it, that's not the case, but I, I, I can definitely see the connection. I can see the the path there for sure. Yeah. I, I think there are a couple of things that, that bind them to that. That is unfortunate. And really it's, it's their, some of their game management decisions, Yep. You you look at the the lack of aggressive the lack of aggressiveness from Shanahan and, and you compare that to Andy Reid's clock management at the end of games and I think those are in game scenarios where both coaches can improve and maybe will improve improve over the course of their career but it's something that Shanahan has to improve and, and I think that it is it, you know the the tweet from Chris Brown that we mentioned a couple weeks back David where you know when you're an offensive coordinator you want players who are going to run the pretty pictures that you think up in your head and you put on paper versus a head coach who just wants to win. Um, when Shanahan had the opportunity to pick the transcendent player, he chose not to because he thought that Kirk Cousins was going to be the guy who was going to run the pictures on that he drew up in his head, you know, kind of the best. And then, um, you know, he he kind of passed on that. And now he's trying to figure out what that is. And, um, you know, he has his version of Donovan McNabb in, in Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and yeah, I could absolutely see it. Donovan McNabb is probably a better quarterback than... Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. As a Cowboys fan, McNabb was hard, hard to watch. Well, I mean, look, if you're a Rams fan, I think you think Jimmy Garoppolo is great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to give you both points on that one. I know it's a little unorthodox, but you guys kind of completed the thought with each other. I like that. Um, all right. Last question. Super Bowl pick, uh, given the season right now, whoever who? Who's going first? You are. Uh, you're up first. Yeah. Uh, Green Bay Chiefs. Whoever who, uh, it's gonna be. Oh man, that's a that's a good one. It's really hard to bet against Chiefs. Chiefs, I think, uh, you just you just can't do it at this point. They've got uh, both quarterbacks are good, but Mahomes is still a better quarterback. Uh, I think Andy Reid is probably at this point in his life uh, the better overall coach, and, and Spags is a good defensive coordinator in spots, as the Niners know. Um, but it'll be fun to see a rematch of what Super Bowl three was it? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, the early ones. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be fun, uh, and it, you know it'll be Rogers back in the dance, and it'll be good to see him there because I think yes. like a happy Rogers is the is like the deadly Rogers, and that's a fun Rogers to watch. Um, but I do think the Chiefs, um, you have to take the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I think um, the Chiefs defense, I feel like too, is a little bit more high variance. So I mean, yeah, that's fucking what I was gonna gonna pick as well. 
Um, and, and I do like the Chiefs because that deep, like, I, I feel like you can get a game out of that Chiefs defense um, that, that just like where they generate a bunch of turnovers or something like that. And like, you know, you you are able to get a, a turnover or two against Rodgers and that's enough. Like, but it's just it's also even beyond that, like it, it feels impossible to pick against Patrick Mahomes in that offense. Like just no situation feels like something that they can't overcome. Um, and, and it's just like, we, we, I mean, we obviously got a front row seats to that last year in the Super Bowl and, and what they did at the end of that game. And so it's just like, uh, yeah, I think very difficult for me to pick against them in, in those kind of one game situations. So are you both thinking then that, uh, Mahomes takes MVP and wins the Super Bowl same year? I don't know that he wins MVP. Mm. I, yeah, I could see Rodgers getting MVP. I was going to say that. I was going to say, and this fits into your theory about how the MVP never wins the the actual Super Bowl. Um, I don't know if that's true. We can actually look it Re- up. Recently, it's been that's been the. the but but yeah, but I, I can absolutely see a world where uh, a Rodgers resurgence is what drives the narrative to MVP because MVP is yep. very narrative driven, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Like part of the reason that Lamar won is because you know it was a upstart young quarterback that was you know that dual threat quarterback that could do it all right that was the narrative around him when Mahomes won right it was like the oh my god you're the you're the new quarterback like right. there's always a narrative that drives the MVP award uh, because it is a lot of you know people in media who vote for it um and sure. and so yeah so I think that's the narrative that that drives Rogers is Rogers coming back it's just it's they don't give it to the same person like two years in a row rarely do they do it and they, they do it to some. Brady and Favre and Manning they, they do but it's not like I think that they I think they like to, to spread the wealth and I could see also like they they end up doing you know weird shit like they'll the, the their line of thought will be like oh Mahomes is still really young he'll have plenty of years to get another right. MVP right and and maybe this is one of the last times that Rodgers could get it. So let's give Rodgers another one. Like the fact that Russell Wilson doesn't have a single MVP vote in his career tells you what you need to know about that award. Yeah. Well, what happens then if they take co-MVP together? Who wins the Super Bowl then? No one. (laughs) It's just canceled. The Super Bowl is canceled. It's the holdover from 2020. COVID. (laughs) It's the COVID MVP. David gets the point. We're going to say David wins this time because I feel like he always gets the the short end of the stick on these. Well, yeah, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't win often. He doesn't win in fantasy. He doesn't win, you know, the gauntlet often. You're just often. really trying to really just fucking trying to get under my skin there, aren't you? With the the <laughs> the not winning fan. I, I love I'm fucking I'm trying so hard not to to fall for it, but I'm failing. I'm I love I love the stat though. So we I, I don't know if you know Richard, but uh, David and I are in a, in a fantasy league, a dynasty league, and I won it last year. David's team this year was on a fucking tear. I mean, he was regularly putting up the most points of the week in the league, probably for the back half of the season, especially after he traded for Darren Waller at the deadline. It was a good move. Uh, yeah, he did. It, it was it was a great move and a losing move in the end. But he had know. he had uh, Mahomes and Rogers. It's a two quarterback league. Mahomes and Rogers. Uh, and and Darren Waller and Devonte Adams, so he's riding the the Rogers Adams double dip. I mean, he's and Aaron Jones and Aaron Jones. Like I mean, Packers he's just fucking plowing invested in that offense. And and I mean, it just I'm I like you know I'm trying to make moves to stay alive, and like I did not think I was going to win. Uh, and and it gets down to this semifinals week, and David just fucking loses again to a guy. This is this is my favorite stat that David that David because David looks at all the stats of everything apparently, 
This guy uh, had struggled to put up over 120 points uh, like six of the last seven weeks. Mm. And in this semifinal game, put up the single highest point total in the league's history. This is the beast mode game. It's the beast (laughs) mode game. Like, yeah, dude had fucking... So there's just like... And so this is after... So last year, I... um, also lost in in the first round by like that last year was like by a half a point and so it was like an, another one where it was just my team had been excellent and, uh, and like and, and it is it's like it's this is the frustrating part right this is why fantasy football is fucking stupid and i fucking hate it so much but you it's keep coming back my my i i mean that is to be determined. Um, oh, you're, I, so you're making the claim right now. You're not, you're not, you're not fucking doing come back anymore. I fucking hate fantasy football. <laughs> and and it's because like it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter like how good you actually are at it. Like I assembled in this dynasty league what has very clearly been the best team for two straight years. Um, and then stupid shit can happen and it doesn't matter. And like it and it lit like Oscar is in the championship this year. He had the third lowest point, the second lowest point total in the uh, league this it w- season. It was the third, I think it was third or fourth lowest, but I ha- yeah. I've had the least amount of points scored against me. Yes. Which right. Totally and so it's like, power. it's all bullshit. And so it was like last year was the first round I lost by a half a point. And if you would have, and then if you like just look at what I scored over the, the, the course of the rest of the playoffs, like if, if that wouldn't, have, I would have won every game, including beating Oscar in the championship. Um, and then this year, uh, again, like Oscar already outlined so thankfully I don't need to fucking do too much of that, but it's just like, my team is a fucking juggernaut right now. I have like guys like Beckham and Marlon Mack and, and guys like on IR and it doesn't matter cause I'm fucking rolling through people. And then you get to the first round of the playoffs and it's like, you get one bad week, uh, which wasn't even like a, ter- like I didn't have a terrible week. It, it certainly wasn't like, um, but yeah, then you go against the person who, <laughs> all of a sudden out of the fucking blue has like the two highest point scores in the entire week and puts up the highest point total that we've had in two seasons. And then it's done. And so it's just like, fuck fantasy football. What, why do I fucking do this to myself? Tony Pollard, stupid. Tony Pollard did it. Fuck Tony Pollard. I was so glad that I didn't have to talk about him at the, at the beginning. Cause I saw your note on him. I was like, no, I'm not fucking ready to talk about Tony Pollard yet. Yeah, it, about, it, are you ready now? Because this guy, yeah, are this you, guy had Zeke to too, about? right? And so he like he happened to have Pollard on the bench when Zeke got, um, you know, put when he when he was inactive and like threw Pollard in there and Pollard fucking puts up like thirty points or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot. Did he score a few times? Twice. Oh yeah, it was, yeah, it was just twice. A yeah, he had a he had a, a short one at the goal line and, and then a, he had one where one. he like fucking and spun like, and ducked out a three. Oh, that's right. Forty nine was defender right at the, real the fucking end. Yeah, it's uh, you know, but. You know, as one of the philosophers, uh, one of the most preeminent football philosophers once said, uh, you are what your record says you are. Uh, My record (laughs) says that I'm the best fucking team in that league. (laughs) The record, the point total, I have have the highest fucking winning percentage in that league, the highest point total by several hundred points. Uh, Fantasy football is fucking stupid. I hate it. It's all right. You just it's so great. I, I just keep I, I keep going back to the um the factory of sadness one where it's like, you are a factory of sadness. I'll see you next week. <laughs> and that's David in fantasy. <laughs> I am a fa- no, you will not see me next week. I am at this point, so like our league, um, if if you win it twice in a row, like you reset everything. Um, it's a dynasty and I am league, so very much hoping that Oscar from. wins this year and I'm fucking out i think i just am fucking done uh well uh, on that note 
we're going to be done with this week's podcast. <laughs> I'm going to I also want to make a prediction. I want to say the Titans win the Super Bowl. Yeah, we talked about it earlier. David yeah. thinks that the Titans are the only team that can beat the Chiefs. Yeah. I and agree. and if he, and if they do, they'll do it in the championship game and then do the same thing to whomever is in the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, I we were talking about it before. I thought the if Rodgers is in the Super Bowl versus the Titans, I was thinking Rodgers, but now that I'm a little drunk, yeah, give me the Titans. <laughs> yeah, well, go I just on. can't. I just can't uh, take Ryan Tannehill as yeah. as the quarterback I'm going to choose to get me to the Super Bowl. That was going to be my other uh, shitty tier quarterback that the Niners can win with is Ryan Tannehill because he's doing <laughs> what you would need to right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> lots, lots, lots of play action. Uh, throw it to Ayuk, make it happen. Um, but that does it for this week's edition of the Better Rivals podcast. Thanks to former Better Rivals member, former member of the Q Formation, Richard Richard well, Reininger, for I, coming on the pod. Well, I, what, well, you gave me a position. I was like uh, scorekeeper emeritus. Uh, yes, that's right. Scorekeeper, like uh, Carl not Castle. For, not former member, scorekeeper emeritus. Score, that's right. Scorekeeper emeritus, Richard Reininger, for coming back and reprising his role as the gauntlet. Uh, thanks to David for being such a gracious loser. Uh, in all things fantasy, uh, and he, won the gauntlet, though. Uh, he did win the gauntlet, right? So we'll, th- we'll throw my man a bone. He but needed a win. I could tell. He I know. I know he'll be cheering for me in the fantasy championships so that he can just bow out of fantasy forever because I will have crushed his fantasy soul. Uh, you know, man, you've got a lot riding on this game. Yeah, I do. I got all of his prospects. It's great. Uh, you can follow <laughs> me on Twitter at Better Rivals. David, tell him about the Patreon. Uh, patreon.com slash better rivals um, we just recorded a, a, a video on Trent Williams that was a lot of fun I think as we get into the off season I mean this season honestly has uh, been kind of a bummer and so there hasn't always been things uh, every week that have been a lot of fun to talk about but the off season is the season of hope and so we're going to get into you know free agents and draft stuff eventually and and all of that kind of stuff so a lot, a lot of good things that should be coming uh, down the pipe there so check it out bye Spear thanks again for tuning in as always Go Niners.